Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms in here. Hey, if you're a mom, I want to see you. Can you stand up so we can recognize you this morning? If you are a mom in this place. Wow. Come on. Come on. We pray a special blessing on you today. I'm actually going to talk about the role of a mother today and the, the importance of family. And I'm already in tears down here. I mean, this is just powerful. I mean, isn't this amazing? The church family is made up of a bunch of families just loving Jesus together. And we see people being baptized. Did you see that precious woman being carried by people in a wheelchair and brought up here. I mean, come on, this is amazing. And then you have, we have our families up here dedicating their children to the Lord. Breezy, I love you and I cannot wait to squeeze you after service. Breezy was actually our very first convert at our downtown campus and baptized there. And look at, now she's here with her second child dedicating to the Lord. I mean, isn't this amazing? This is what church is all about. This is what family is all about. And so I'm just so honored and humbled to be up here. I have not been up here in probably two years. Because if you don't know me, by the way, my name is Kelly Wild. I am married to the birthday boy up here. We were set in as lead pastors in 2016. And um, 2018, we we went on a nice little roller coaster ride of four babies in a year, which is why I have not been up here in a long time. Uh, I'm going to talk more about that a little bit later. But we have seven children. We have um, three through adoption, four miraculous conception, and um, it was. Uh, Sorry, I just had a train of thought with that, but I'm not going to say that. Anyways, um, but anyways, we have our we have our boys. Our oldest boys just turned ten, so we've been officially parenting for a decade, which is crazy. So we are no experts by any means, but um, hope to encourage us with what we've learned um, a little bit so far today. But we have a daughter who is almost turning nine this week, and then fast forward seven. Years later, I guess, we miraculously conceived twins, twin boys, Kingsley Presley, and then four months later, conceived miraculously again um, with uh, our little boy and little girl, Waverly and Riley. Um, And I say miraculously because for 11 years, we tried to conceive and it just wasn't God's timing. And we didn't do anything different. We just always, we just surrendered our story to the Lord. We're like, Lord, you will build our family however you want to build it. And God builds families in so many different ways. Wasn't that beautiful? Up here, our, the foster child. And I mean, it's just amazing. And I love our church. And I want to commend our church because we are a church that that values adoption, values foster care. I, we, we have an incredible church. Um, and God builds families 
in so many different ways. And so um, we, for us, we just surrender. We're like, Lord, however you want to build our family, we trust you. We know that you will exceed our wildest expectations and dreams. Um, we always wanted twin boys and we got them. And that's, you know, all know the story. And that was just a miraculous. The day they were born, we find out we're parents and that's a whole nother story. But uh, fast forward, everything happens very suddenly in our lives. Uh, we either have a long pause or, just, or a very big suddenly. And fast forward, I'll share this later, but um, after 11 years of not being able to conceive, God was like, bam, and then bam again. And now my husband won't come anywhere near me because he's like, I'm taking this into my own hands now. My doctor was like, you'll probably just continue to conceive twins. I'm like, awesome. He's like, I'm not going near you, anywhere near you. So, but God is amazing. Amen. So um, I'm so excited to be up here. Chris and I had role reversal this week. He was the full-time mom. I got to be the, the one in the room being with Jesus. I'm like, what do, why do you ever complain about that? It's amazing. <laughs> you know, couples, can I just be real? Couples, when you're fighting, you're like, oh yeah, you have it so much easier. Blah, blah, blah. You know, we have all done it, right? And I was like, but he conceded this week. He said, yeah, you've got it a little bit harder. He was like, day day one, he was like, I'm, I'm over it, right? But no, I, and I was like, man, I got to be with Jesus all day and read my Bible. It was amazing. So I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. How many of you are so thankful for Pastor Chris? I am so thankful. He loves his Bible. It's all he reads day and night. And I, I tell you, he not only reads it, he lives it. And so I'm so thankful for my amazing husband. And I just want to honor my two beautiful moms. I have the privilege of having my mom here today. Mom, can you stand up? (laughs) My mom is here visiting from Washington. And then Pastor Connie, can you stand up this morning so we can honor you this morning as well? I am so thankful that God blessed me with not just one, but two incredible moms who are both full of strength and joy and have taught me Jesus from a young age, mom. And then Pastor Connie, you took me in as a daughter right away. And we all know Pastor Connie. We, we wouldn't be here as a church if it were not for Pastor Connie's prayers. So I just want to honor you both today and tell you how grateful I am for you. And make sure you, you honor and love your moms today. Amen. Okay, that was a long, huge introduction. I gotta get, we gotta get through this today. If we go a little bit over, can you bear with us? Do we all, do we all have um, reservations somewhere? If, if so, just cancel them. Just, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. Just sneak out quietly if you have to, but I'm going to try to cram. I went a little bit over last, last service, but I'm going to try to get all my thoughts out there. Holy Spirit, help me. But I want to talk to you this morning about a message that God dropped in my heart about three or four weeks ago in worship. And I actually had a whole other topic I wanted to talk about today, but when I was just meditating in prayer this week, the Holy Spirit said, nope, this is what we're going to go after today. So I'm really excited. We're going to talk about the importance of family and and such, but I have a few things I want to talk about. But my big idea today, and this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me in worship um, just three or four weeks ago, is we're going to talk about today pursuing faithfulness in a fame-obsessed culture. Pursuing faithfulness in a fame-obsessed culture. Now, you might think, what? I'm not fame-obsessed. Well, we have a culture today. If you are um, the millennial, I believe the millennial generation is the first generation that's grown up so completely 
um, in the techno- technological age, the social media age, in Gen Z especially. And so we have a culture today that thanks to social media, and there's good things from social media, of course we know that, but we have a culture today that's been obsessed with fame, obsessed with celebrity or status or likes or a reputation or achievement, all these things. We have a culture today that is obsessed with fame. But I want to talk to us today about what I believe Jesus prioritizes far above that, which is faithfulness. We know that because the scripture tells us at the end of our life, what will we hear? Hopefully we will hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. How many of you want to hear that at the end of your life? I want to hear that. The older I get, the more that sounds great to me. I remember when I was young, it was all about like, you have, you know, I'm not saying these things are bad because I do believe God calls people to, calls us to do these things. But I remember the obsession was over, you know, traveling the world and preaching the gospel and and writing books and doing all these things. These are amazing things that God calls us to do. But my obsession was over those things or, you know, the dreams that God puts in your heart, whatever they are. But I really do believe that the older I get, the more I realize, gosh, I just want to be faithful. I just want to be found faithful. And we're going to talk about that today. You know, everybody today, and Chris, Pastor Chris talks about this a lot, is building for their own kingdom. But can I tell you, there are only two kingdoms in this world. Only two. There is the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of darkness. We who have put our hope in Jesus have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. There is no, there is no Kelly Wilde kingdom. There is no Sydney kingdom. There is no Chris kingdom. It is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. I've been thinking so much about this lately because I think 2020 has ripped the bandaid off of lukewarm Christianity. I think the time of cool church is over. I think that God is raising up a church that's faithful and on fire for him. And I've been thinking about this so much this year that what is it about, how, how does someone live lukewarm as a Christian? How does someone, how does someone live that way? And the, the thought that's just, come, that's just shook me is that I think we don't have a true understanding, the church today. We don't have a proper understanding of the power of both of these kingdoms. We don't fully understand how incredible the kingdom of God is that we have entered into. And we also don't fully understand the depravity of what we have been rescued from. I don't think we can fully understand what we now belong to until we understand what we have been rescued from. We have been literally snatched from the jaws of death and destruction and evil and wickedness. And we talk about the kingdom of darkness. We talk about evil in our world. But I think I, I will be the first to admit before 2020, I don't think I had a correct picture of how dark the darkness is. I was reading at the beginning of this year, reading N.T. Wright's book on evil and the justice of God. At the same time, all of these events were unfolding in our world. And he says it this way. He goes, the Western church has not taken evil seriously. And I truly believe that, that 2020 for the Western church, God has removed the blinders off of our eyes. 
not to see something new, but to see what's always been there from the beginning of time. Read your Bible. If you don't think that wickedness is at work in our world, I'm sorry, you need to read your Bible because there is a wicked, and remember, a lot of times when we think of evil in our world, we think of, you know, bad people or whatever. What does Ephesians 6 tells us? It says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. These cosmic wicked powers that are at work in our world today. We wrestle against that. Let me say it to you this way. There's a scripture I, I believe in um, 1 Corinthians 2.9. And it says, no eye has seen. I love this scripture. How many of you love this scripture? No ear has heard. No heart could even fathom all that God has in store for those who love him. Oh, don't you just love that scripture? Exceedingly abundantly above, right? All we could ever hope or imagine. But let me tell you what, the kingdom of darkness is flipped upside down. It's always a, it's always a perverseness of God's order and kingdom. I think we could easily take that scripture and say, no eye could see, no ear could really bear to hear it. No heart could truly fathom how dark the darkness actually is. I don't think we as the Western church especially have understood how wicked wickedness actually is. How dark the darkness truly is. And how evil, evil really is at work in our world. Now, don't worry. We're going to move away from here because some of you are like, wow, this is a really downer message this morning. No, I'm setting us up because Paul, my main text, I'm sorry, I forgot to say that, is, is in the, the, the book of Ephesians. And I wish I could just read the whole book of Ephesians because it's so powerful. So I'm trying to sum it up for us today. But Paul is urging the church of Ephesus and he is painting this beautiful picture of what I just said, but he's far more articulate than I. And he says, I don't, I want you to understand, church, what you have been rescued from. I want you to understand how, how wicked and dark evil is at work in our world. If the light is that bright, how much darker is the darkness, right? And so Paul says, because you've been rescued from this present darkness and you are now part of this glorious, beautiful kingdom of light, why do you keep going back? And that's where I think so many Christians have lived. And I think God is waking us up this last year that we've lived comfortably. We, we've maybe lived lukewarm. I think we all could say that in some areas of our life because we truly don't understand the power of both of these kingdoms. And so I think it's so important that we understand. We, we, we as Pastor Mark shared today, and I think we sang those lyrics where, thank you, Jesus, you set me free. Christ, my Savior, you rescued me. You have been rescued. No, you thought that you weren't that bad. You thought you weren't that bad. And you know what? Jesus, yeah, he, he had to pay the price on the cross for those people, but I wasn't really that bad. No, you were in chains, in bondage. You were broken. You had no hope. You were lost. You were without any hope. And Jesus came and he took your sin. He took it for you. We have been rescued. 
We have been rescued. And I think if we truly understand that we have been rescued, man, we're going to live different. We're going to live on fire. We're not going to have a desire to go back. So I want to read this scripture in, sorry, let me find it here. Oh, and I forgot to read this one. Actually, I want to read this first. So 2020, I know for me personally, at the beginning of this year, I believe that, because we all know, we all know evils that work in our world. We know that. But I'm trying to paint the point that I don't think we necessarily understand how bad the evil is manifesting in our world today. And we don't want to hear about it. It's really uncomfortable. And we, you know, we kind of like being naive a little bit. I think God is waking the church up. We don't have the luxury to be naive. The church is the hope of the world. We, the church is the hope of the world. The church is the answer to these problems in our world today. Not the government, not education, not these broken systems. It is the church. The church is the answer to the world's problems today. And so I think that 2020, in my personal opinion, was a year of great exposure. I believe it was God ripping the band-aid off and saying, church, wake up. Wake up, church. You, you can't afford to play it safe anymore. You can't afford to live in a bubble anymore. There are people hurting there are people broken. There are people desperate. Just as we have been rescued from that kingdom of darkness and we hopefully understand the depravity that we were once in, how can we not go back? How can we not go back and rescue others from this present darkness? I think God is waking us up. He did that for me, for sure. At the beginning of, of this crazy last year, I began to read things and hear things, and I just thought, oh, that, that can't be true. There's no way. And I began to ask the Holy Spirit. And, and I asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, reveal truth to me. Show me. If, if, if these acts of wickedness are happening in our world, I don't want to be naive, Open my eyes to see because you've made me a mom, not of just my children, but you've made me a mom in the spirit. My name means warrior. And I, Chris can tell you, I will war in prayer. He's like, what is happening in there? <laughs> the other day, I have to tell you this story. I don't know, it's just funny, just to break up the, but we were at a, we went to a, we were in McCall, we were at a hotel. And I just, I don't care. I just don't care. And I'm like, if the spirit hits me and I was on the balcony and I, I thought no one's out there because it was, I didn't see anybody. And, and I had headphones in, you know, when you have headphones in, you just, you're like, you are, you think you sound great. And you're like, but, and I didn't think Chris was paying any attention to me, but he was inside the room. And I came, I came back in after my time with Jesus. And he was like, Oh my gosh, babe, you are hilarious. I'm just like, you know, uh, <laughs> like on my face, like you have to have him do it for you. I was like dying laughing. I'm like, wow, that's embarrassing. That's what I look like. But I don't care because yeah, I just think, where was I going with that? I have no idea. But what was that? It was a good, it was a good break. Yeah. So we, I think the church, I think what I was saying that I think for me as I was praying, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me, show us. I don't want to be naive. I want to partner with you, Holy Spirit. 
you, you've called, uh, it's the church that you work through to bring hope into the world. And so I believe that this was a year of great exposure where God is opening up eyes. And I have a scripture for you to back that up. In Ephesians 5, 11, it says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of the things they do in secret. That right there proves what I just have been saying. It's so bad out there. It's shameful to even talk about. It's shameful to even talk about what's happening out there because in secrecy, because the enemy always works in secrecy and darkness behind closed doors. It says, but instead, when anything, or I think I would start, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. God is exposing evil in our world today. He's calling us to wake up, to not stand idly by anymore, to not be naive anymore. It's gonna be painful. It's gonna hurt. I can't even tell you how many times I have cried and labored in prayer this year. It's, it hurts. It's painful. There's a lot of... There is a lot of brokenness and darkness out there in our world today. And so I think it is, it is going to cost us, but it is so worth it. Because how much more, Paul, Paul so let me, let me wrap this up now. So Paul says, sorry, let me find where I'm at. Paul says, we can't, so basically Paul is saying, you have been called to the kingdom of light. Now, you are Christ's ambassadors to show the world God's light and truth and goodness. Amen? So we are called to do that. And our world, and you know, I love Jesus because I've been really studying in um, the New Testament, the Gospels, what, what did Jesus prioritize? And I love Jesus because he always talked about the children. He said, you know what? If you want to be like the king, if you want to be in the kingdom of God, you need to be like a little child. What did he also say? He said, don't hinder the children from coming to me. Let the children come to me. Jesus loved children. I mean, up here just seeing these children, Jesus would be on the front just weeping. He loves children. But there's a powerful scripture that's in Luke 17 too. And it says, because evil, the greatest form of evil is done to the least of these. And what did, how did Jesus say this? In Luke 17, 2, it says, it is better for a millstone to be tied around the neck, your neck and thrown into the deepest part of the sea than to harm or hinder a little child. You could make the argument that he's saying there's a special place in hell for those who hurt my children. And church, we can't be silent on that. We are called to defend the least of these. The enemy, and I'm going to be very careful here with my wording because I hope you know my heart and you know the heart of our church. But the enemy is after the children. We see abortion is rampant in our world. Sex trafficking is unimaginable in our world. Even an attempt to normalize pedophilia. I mean, it's, it's bad. In church, we cannot be silent. We are the hope. And when it comes to 
when it comes to abortion, don't, don't fall for the enemy's polarizing argument, okay? Where if, if you are pro-life or pro-baby, that we are somehow anti-mother. Oh, no way, church. No way. I, I can't even tell you how my bir- our birth mother is my hero, She's my absolute hero, and we love her, and we honor her. No, church, we, can I tell you, the enemy has cleverly rebranded. I'm sorry if I'm offending you today, but he has rebranded the murdering of children as an empowering mission, and it is not empowering for anyone. No one is empowered by that. Because it goes against God's law. God's law says you shall not murder. And so, church, we, we have to lovingly speak truth in our world today. And we have to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Not just with lip service, but providing help and hope to those who are hurting in our world today. And I want to commend you, Capital Church, because you do this so well. And I am so thankful. And, I, and Kate, I don't know if you're in here. She's, I, she was here earlier, but there she is in the back. My cousin Kate, my beautiful cousin Kate, starting Foster and Heart, which is helping foster children connect with parents in our, in our city and town. And I'm just so thankful. And it's just the beginning. And church, this is who we are. But again, the enemy is always after the children. We see this with Moses' generation. We see this with Jesus' generation because he was trying to take out the seed. Jesus is Jesus will crush the head of the enemy. And so the enemy is always after the next generation. And so if we don't step up, church, if we don't stand for truth, then who will? I want to read a text to you beginning in um, Ephesians 4. Verse 17, I'm going to read a long text and I hope it's okay. But can I just say this first? The enemy's mission statement has not changed. I don't know if you know his mission statement, but it's in the Bible. It says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, those aren't like fun, nice words. Like those are like, no, he, he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. That mission has not changed today. It is still very much at work in our world today. But thank God for Jesus. Jesus came that we may have life and life abundantly. Thank God for Jesus. So Paul says, because you have been rescued from this present darkness, you are now part of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. Jesus has paid the price for you. I'm going to read to you now a long text, and I'm going to just let the text speak to us today because I think it's so powerful. And it's beginning in verse... I'm sorry, chapter four, you have it up there. Verse 17. Don't tune it out, but let's let the word challenge us and convict us this morning. Paul is saying this to the church of Ephesus, but he's saying this to us too. He says, now this I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous, have given themselves up to sensuality. They're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life 
and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Fast. Oh, and then we're going to jump to verse 5. Sorry. Jump to verse 5, verse 1. So skipping ahead. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. There it is again. As is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place for God's people, I'll add. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Pastor Mark talked about that today. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And I think we'll stop there. Amen, church. So Paul is painting a beautiful picture here. You were once part of the kingdom of darkness, but now you are part of the kingdom of light. Therefore, walk as children of the light. Be imitators of Christ. I wish I could have time to dive into each one of those things, but just briefly, I want to point out, Paul specifically addresses three different ways. Because again, if we look like the church, I'm sorry, if we look like the world, how are we any different, right? So we're meant to stand out. And and these three powerful ways Paul talks about is number one, in your sexual character. Okay, your purity is one of the greatest testimonies of Jesus to the world. In our culture today, purity is not common, sadly. One of the most scandalous things that you can do is to be pure. In a culture that is full of sexual perversion and everything at your disposal, man, how important it is that we as God's children to guard our hearts I can't tell you, this is probably the number one prayer I pray over my kids all the time. Because it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they are the ones that will see God. That's why the enemy works so hard to taint us. Because it's harder and harder to see God. But I want to challenge us today, and this is not a message of condemnation at all. This is hopefully a message of encouragement and conviction. That in Jesus, there is always a fresh and brand new start. So perhaps if this has been a struggle for you, this is not a message of condemnation. This is a, come on church, let's do better. Okay. Let's, let's truly imitate Christ in not just our words, but in our lifestyle and how we live. How do you guard your purity? I mean, the, the Bible says clearly the eyes are the window of the soul. I think you have to guard what you watch Guard what you listen to. Man, can I tell you, there is a lot of filth out there. Guard what you watch. Guard what your children watch. Guard what they're, make sure you know what they're watching on their devices. Guard what you listen to. All of these things, they get inside of us and they have the ability to taint us. But, but 
but Paul urges us, sexual immorality should have no part in the children of light. Then he goes on to say that in your speech, he said, let there be no filthiness or foolish talking or crude joking. He says it, that scripture goes on to say, actually the, 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 the language of the righteous should be thanksgiving. It should be a continu- so much so that you just sing and you just sing psalms and praises to God because we have so much to be thankful for. Again, if we really understand what we've been rescued from and what we now belong to, we probably should be singing all of the time. That's a witness to this world. Amen? And then lastly, he says, who we associate with. Now, what I am not saying is that we have, we cut off relationship with those who do not, who are part of the kingdom of darkness. Absolutely not. We are called to be a witness to the world. But what Paul is making an argument here is, hey, do not partner with them. Do not be in close relationship with them because one of you is going to lead the other away and more than likely it's going to be you drifting away. So Paul urges us, hey, who you associate with, who you partner with, make sure you're going in the same direction and you're following Jesus. These are just some practical ways in which we can practice this church. Amen? Because the days that we are living in are evil, how much more does the world need to see the light of Jesus in us? Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Philippians 2, 15 says, you are to become, I love this scripture. I pray it over my kids all the time. You are to become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. Chris, Pastor Chris talked at our January prayer conference. How many of you were there for that? For at least one or two or three? It was powerful. It was so good. And he shared about the, um, the prayer that he prays over our children. And it was out of the book of Daniel. And he prays this every single night over them, that they would be numbered among the wise and the righteous, and that they would shine like the stars in the heavens. And what is so powerful about that scripture is, this is why context is important, is that Daniel was living in Babylon. You know, we think we have it bad today. We, it was probably, it was probably pretty intense there. I mean, he was in being indoctrinated in the school, the University of Babylon. We think our universities are bad today. I mean, that was probably next level. And, but what I love about Daniel was that he didn't let the world get in him. He influenced those around him. So much so that it says that he was, the Bible says that he was, him and his friends were 10 times greater. 10 times greater. I pray this over my kids all the time. 10 times greater anointing. In in wisdom, in health, and even his appearance, his stature. Because why? You as a child of light are meant to stand out. You are meant to stand out. I just gave you two scriptures that you are meant to shine like the stars in the sky. Your faith, if it's worth following, should make people uncomfortable. We just read an article, a news article that was published by a, a I believe, a Gnostic. Was he or agnostic? What did I say? Gnostic. Sorry, agnostic. And he he was he was. It was a critique on the church today, and, and he, was, he obviously doesn't believe in Jesus, but he said, you know what? It seems to me that if the, if the church has a faith worth following, it should make me uncomfortable. It should challenge me. It, but he, his critique was that it seems like the church wants to look more like me than me look more like them. Now, this is not capital church. Capital church, 
I love our church. But I think the church as a whole, in a lot of ways, we have played it safe. We've bowed to culture. We've given in. We have a culture right now that is offended by everything. Let me tell you what. I'm sorry. If you're going to offend people, let it be with the gospel. It says in Romans, do not be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to those who believe. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. It should offend. Jesus offended people, those that didn't want to know the truth. It was offensive to them. Okay, so we can't be afraid. Now, what I'm not saying is be combative or be, you know, but no, if you, we shouldn't shy away from our convictions. We shouldn't be afraid to stand out. If you're hanging, young people, if you're hanging out with a bunch of people who are not making good decisions, be bold. Say, hey, you know what? Let's not watch that. Like, that's not good. Let's like, like no, we're not going to watch that. Be bold. We need leaders. We need Daniels in this day who will not bow to Babylonian culture. We need strong Daniels in our day today who will not bow to culture. So my prayer for us today is, Lord, bring our conviction back. Bring our Holy Spirit sensitivity back. What I am not talking about is behavior management. What I am talking about is our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. You should be being challenged regularly by the Holy Spirit. You should be convicted often by the Holy Spirit, because none of us are perfect. None of us have got this figured out. We've all are just, you know, doing our best to follow Jesus, but the Holy Spirit should be convicting you often. Hey, you know what? Don't listen to that song. Or, you know what? You shouldn't have said that to your kids. I have to repent to my kids every day, you guys, okay? I have seven children. Patience is a virtue. I'm praying for it every day, okay? None of us have gotten this perfect, right? But we should be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, Asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, for our family, what corrections do we need? What changes should we make? Ephesians 4.15 says that we are to speak the truth in love to one another. For this is how we grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Each part working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is my prayer for Capital Church That scripture, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, this is capital church. We speak the truth in love. Following Jesus is a community project. It is not an isolated event. It is a community project. We need each other. We need to encourage one another and speak the truth in love to one another. Amen? So coming back to my um, three or four weeks ago, I told you the Holy Spirit began to speak to me on the front row about faithfulness. And I want to read to you, I wrote it down quickly after he spoke to me because it was, I knew that this was a word for Capital Church and that it was an invitation to us. And it just, it made me cry. It was so powerful. But he said this, he said, Capital Church, do not desire fame, but seek after faithfulness. What could I do with a church who is faithful in the little things, even the mundane things but yet the most significant things. What could I do with a whole church full of people who are faithful in their marriages, faithful in their parenting, a faithful and loving neighbor, faithful to read my word and to pray and worship? What might I do with a people like that? And I feel the Holy Spirit again because I know that was an invitation to our church. And I just began to weep as he spoke that to me. And I said, yes, Lord, that's what we want. 
Can I tell you what the church is? It's just, it's a, it's a bunch of families that come together. And now more than ever, what the church, what the world needs is whole, healthy families who love Jesus together. I truly believe that is our greatest act of resistance. And I say this because that text that we read, that long text earlier, Paul transitions in verse 21. And he, after he says all this, be imitators of Christ and don't blend in and don't look like the world, he then transitions into verse 21 and he says, how do we do this in essence? He says, by submitting to one another and out of reverence for Christ. And I don't think I have time to go into it, but then it begins to go into husbands or wives, submit to your husbands and and wives, respect your husbands and children, obey your parents and all that text. We probably all know that today, but it's a beautiful text. And the purpose of that text, I believe, is Paul is saying there is a divine order that God has set up. There is a divine order that God, so how do we do all of this? Chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. How do we learn to do this, Paul? Paul says, it's all right. God's got you. He set up the family. He's so brilliant. He set up the family. And it's in the family that we learn to follow Jesus and imitate Christ. It's through a healthy marriage. Can I tell you a strong, healthy marriage is one of the greatest witnesses to the world right now. It's through children, it's through, it's through children who see their, their wives respecting their husband and the husband laying down his life for his wife. It's children who grow up in a household where they've learned to follow Jesus by the example set to them. This is what Paul is saying. Now, maybe you are in here and you're like, I don't have a family or I don't have children or I'm not married. Can I tell you, I am still talking to you today. Because Proverbs 31 says, he who finds a wife. It doesn't say he who finds an eligible girl or a great girl, or a single, it says he who finds a wife. So the premise is, is that you're all, what you've been called to do, God sees you that way already, and you are to walk in it now. So don't tune me out if you're like, well, I don't have kids, or I'm not married. No, he who finds a wife, he who is walking in the calling, who knows who God made her to be, that's what God says, that you can walk in it now. Maybe you're in the season of waiting for children. We have been there. We, we were in that season too. But let me tell you what, when God's timing it happens, it will be better than you could ever imagine. But maybe God right now is calling you to be the best aunt you could be or the best uncle that you could be. God works through the family unit. And I truly believe that this is our most important job. I'm not saying that family and nothing else because we know we've been called to go out into the world and to preach the gospel. What I'm saying is let's not sacrifice one for the other. What I'm saying is that Jesus, we had to get our priorities right. Your, your ministry or your work, your outside of your home should be an overflow, an overflow of a healthy whole family functioning at home. Not perfect, because we all know none of us are perfect, but we, the world desperately needs to see healthy and whole families. How do we defeat darkness in our day? Perhaps it's one whole family at a time. One whole family 
standing up to darkness, joining with this family, joining with that family, joining with this family. And together we come together as the family and the body of Christ. I truly believe that God has set up this divine order. So my commission to you, moms, especially today, don't neglect your most important job. I truly believe the greatest act of resistance that we can operate in to, against the forces of darkness in our world right now is to be put dinner on the table and sit around the table with our children and talk about Jesus. Could it be that that's the greatest act of resistance and warfare that God is asking you to do, mothers? Could it be that you folding that laundry for the fifth time, that's me, you all, everybody who knows me knows laundry is not my strong suit. I have to re-dry it 50 times. But you finally sit down to fold that laundry and the greatest act of resistance that you can operate in right now is to pray over those clothes that God would raise up those kids to love Jesus and serve him all the days of your life, or their life. So often the enemy tries to keep us to, we, we, we think the mundane things are the unimportant things. No, I think we've got it all wrong. I think most of our life is lived in the, in the mundane, in the everyday, the ordinary. And could it be that these are the most profound moments of our life? These are the most significant moments of our life. I, the Holy Spirit rocked my world in 2018. I got to close. But I went to Israel and it was a powerful trip. I went with Dr. Stan and a bunch of um, amazing people here from our church. And we got to go everywhere and just see all these incredible sites that we read about in our Bible. And there was, and a lot of people asked me, what was your favorite thing? And it's funny, we saw a lot of churches. We went into a lot of churches. But what was so powerful, the biggest moment for me was when we walked into St. Anne's Church. And St. Anne, named after the, St. Anne was the mother of Mary, who was, Mary was the mother of Jesus. And we walked into that church and I, I don't know what to tell you, but the spirit of God hit me and I just began to weep because it never occurred to me who raised Mary. We focus so much on the limelight and the, and the stage and the, the people that, you know, we, we know of, but, but I never thought, oh my gosh, who raised Mary? wow, like that's powerful. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that minute, that moment, the greatest thing that you will do with your life is who you raise. And I truly believe that for all of us, not to say that you won't do anything outside of that, but the greatest disciples you will ever form in your life are your kids. The greatest disciples will be those that live with you every single day. So let me challenge us today. Is your family getting the best of you or the rest of you? You know what's so powerful is that God spoke that to me at St. Anne's Church and just rocked my world. And I knew he was speaking to me. And that's when I really began to say, God, I honestly, I don't even care what else I do with my life. I just want to be faithful to serve you. And I want to raise amazing kids that love you. They're not gonna be perfect. I'm definitely not gonna be perfect, but I wanna raise children that are passionate for the kingdom of God. Immediately after that, we get back from our trip and that's when God, I, literally that next week, we conceived twins. And four months after they were born, twins again. And 
I say, people are like, well, I'm not praying that prayer. Never mind, because. (laughs) But I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and he's speaking to all of us. The greatest fruit of our life will be those that we live with every day. Those that we raise. I think the enemy would want nothing more right now in our world today than to have the mothers distracted by what's going on in the world. So busy, so afraid, so paralyzed with fear that they neglect their most important work. Man, I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Spirit. The most scandalous act that you could perform right now, the most, the greatest act of resistance, I believe, could it be just putting dinner on the table for your family and sitting around the table talking about Jesus? That's what Deuteronomy 6 is all about. Did I read that scripture? Oh, I didn't read it. There we go. Here we go. I'm going to wrap this all up. How do we know that this is the charge? How do we know this is divine's God order? Because when God came to the Israelites and gave them the commandments, who did he commission? He commissioned the parents. He says this in chapter six, beginning in verse four, he said, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Man, that's powerful. If every family just did this, I truly believe most of the world's problems would be solved. The world desperately needs right now healthy, whole families. Pastor Chris always says, God didn't just come to save your soul. He came to make us whole. Let's, my biggest prayer now is, God, I just want to raise whole, healthy, passionate, bold, fearless kids who love Jesus. And let's make following Jesus a family project again. It's not an isolated event, parents. Bring your children along. Let's serve Jesus together as a family. Let's model to our children what it means to be imitators of Christ. Amen? I want to close with this to the mothers, and then we're going to pray. Elizabeth Elliot said this. She was a wonderful missionary and brilliant. And she said, there is no nobler career than that of motherhood at its best. There are no possibilities greater And in no other sphere does failure bring more serious penalties. With what diligence then should she prepare herself for such a task? If the mechanic who is to work with things must study at technical school, if the doctor into whose skilled hands will be entrusted human lives must go through medical school, how much more should the mother who is fashioning the souls of the men and women of tomorrow learn at the highest of all schools and from the master sculptor himself, God? To attempt this task unprepared and untrained is tragic. Its, re- its results could affect generations to come. But on the other hand, there is no higher height to which humanity can attain than that occupied by a converted, heaven-inspired, praying mother. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and close your, close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to pray for us today. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning for every mother in this place. I thank you, Jesus, for every father in this place. 
I thank you, Jesus, for every grandparent in this place today, every aunt and uncle, cousin, nephew, niece. I thank you, Jesus, that you have set up your divine order within the family unit. And I thank you, Jesus, that it is here that we learn to truly imitate Christ. God, none of us get it perfect. We all mess up. And I thank you today that this would be a message of hope to lean on you again, Holy Spirit, to partner with you for there is no higher calling than this. And I thank you, Jesus, that you would come and bring our conviction back again. Oh, Jesus, I believe that you are calling Capital Church to be not, not to seek after fame, but to be found faithful. And Lord, I thank you that you would put this desire in each one of us to be faithful in the little things, to be faithful in the mundane things. God, to see the mundane as holy and beautiful again. I thank you, Jesus, that you meet us there in those moments. And I thank you that you give us fresh grace today. I thank you, Jesus, that you would come and strengthen every mother, every father, every grandparent, every person in this place today, whether single, whether child. I thank you, Jesus, that you have called us to a higher calling. We have been rescued from this present darkness and we are part of the kingdom of light. Therefore, walk as children of the light, being imitators of Christ. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. And if you're in this place this morning, and you feel the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you just, you need a fresh start, whatever that means for you. This is not a message of condemnation. This is of encouragement and hope that in, we need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We need his help. We need his conviction. We need his leading. We are to be imitators of Christ. And if you, if you maybe say, gosh, I don't, I don't know if I've been living in such a way or maybe I've dropped the ball or maybe I haven't, I've had my priorities out of line. Whatever it is for you, no one's looking around, but you need a fresh start today. I just wanna pray for you. I really believe that you're gonna leave here encouraged with fresh wind in your sails this morning. So if that's you, just lift your hand really quick and I wanna pray for you. No one's looking around. Thank you, Jesus. Hands all over. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.